Throughout America's history, it's not unfamiliar that there has been discrimination because of one's race, specifically discrimination on African Americans. We see how racism has developed and changed over the course of time. In the 1600s, slavery was first introduced to North America and wasn't made illegal until the 1800s. Slavery is the ultimate form of oppression. When slavery first began, it was normalized and encouraged. As history went on, it became more frowned upon and eventually became illegal. In today's society, there is so much focus on America's history with slavery that we tend to believe that America has improved immensely over the years. In reality, although slavery is no longer legal, there is still a lot of oppression happening. The word racist has a bad connotation to it. No one wants to be called a racist, which is why in today's society people are more subtle when showing discrimination. Whereas, when slavery was happening, people were very overt about their prejudice and discrimination. We are so quick to gloss over the past because things have gotten better, when in reality discrimination is still happening, but in a more discreet manner. The purpose of this podcast is to focus on how racism is seen throughout this generation and how it has an impact on children and their childhood. We will be focusing on the text One Crazy Summer, specifically Fern's role in the novel, and how her role as having a normal childhood is still impacted by the oppression she was born into. Fern is seven years old and the youngest out of the three sisters. In this novel, Fern is portrayed as a normal kid. She acts as any other seven-year-old would. But there is a specific part in One Crazy Summer that shows she is not so naive about what is happening, and that is oppression. Throughout the novel, we see Fern as sweet and innocent. The way she is positioned throughout the text makes the audience see how young she is. Fern is always holding Delphine's hand as a young child holds her parents' hand when crossing the street. She is also seen repeating what Vanetta says, the way a younger sibling would in order to sound cool. Miss Patty Cake is a doll that Fern brings everywhere, as a young child would bring their blankie or favorite toy because of an emotional attachment to it. Not only that, but the author includes details such as her little heels were headed to Cecile's kitchen, cited on page 51. The author used the word little to describe Fern's feet, The author paints Fern as an innocent child, yet uses her character as an activist with such a powerful voice. Fern is put into this activist role because she grew up as an African-American child. She is forced to take on this activist role when her mother, Cecile, is arrested. Fern is so young, yet becomes involved with rallies that stand for the equality of African-Americans. At a young age, she is forced to use her voice. Not only that, but she demands that her voice is heard. The audience, as well as the other characters, were under the assumption that sweet little Fern was too young and naive to fully understand what was happening. This included Crazy Calvin. After their mother was arrested, Crazy Calvin held up his fists and said, Stay strong, my black sisters. Hold your heads up. After Crazy Calvin did this, Fern pointed and said, What's wrong with this picture? Crazy Calvin's reaction to this was laughter, because he saw Fern as a little girl who was silly. As the sisters were leaving, Fern said, Good boy, Fido, then barked, Arf, 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 cited on page 181. The text then states that both Delphine and Vanetta were embarrassed by what Fern did. It is clear that Fern's two older sisters had no idea what Crazy Calvin was doing. Fern caught on to what Crazy Calvin was doing before anyone else did. Crazy Calvin was working with the police and gave them inside information on what the Black Panther Party was doing. Fern exposed him for betraying everyone at the center and in the Black Panther Party. 
by reciting a poem at the rally. In the poem, Fern uses Crazy Kelvin's own words against him and relates him to a puppy, following its master's instructions, which is why she barked at him. We see in the text how, although Fern was made out to be sweet and innocent, because of the oppression she faced, she takes on both roles as child and an activist. I am here with Trinity and Angelica from the ISU gymnastics team, and we will be discussing their experiences growing up as an African-American child. So the first question I want to ask you is, um, what do your parents do and where did you grow up slash where do you live? Um, I live in New Jersey in a small town close to Philly, about 20 minutes. Um, my mom works for a pharmaceutical company. She does project management. And my dad currently does pastoring and ministry for a church that he founded. Um, I was born and raised in Chesapeake, Virginia. Now I live in Normal, Illinois. My mom is a business system analyst for the Coast analyst for the Coast Guard, and my dad is a management and prog program analyst for the Navy. Nice. So, like, do you think population size has to do with like? Um, do you think like specific areas where you live like? affects how people treat like African Americans or do you think it's pretty much the same throughout like the US? I think it's regional because I used to live in a town that was bigger than the one that I live in now. Um, things were more, ex uh, I don't know. Where I used to live it wasn't as much racial problems as I experience now, I guess. Do you have examples? Actually, it's the opposite of what I said. Where I used to, <laughs> live, where I used to live, there was more racial problems. Like, and just simple things like going to the store, people might look at you funny. Like, I didn't do anything. I just made eye contact with you, and I get looks back like, why are you here? Same reason as you, just buying some groceries. <laughs> that kind of thing. Dang. What about you, Angelica? Um, I definitely, like what Trinity said, I definitely think it's regional. Um, when people ask me where I'm from, and I say Virginia, they automatically think of West Virginia and the bad part of West Virginia, like all the racist and like all of that. So. Nice. Um, next question is, how would you describe your childhood? Um, my childhood was pretty normal, typical for where I lived. Um, I moved houses a lot because my parents moved a lot, but I was always happy. I never had any issues with family or friends or neighbors or anything like that. Pretty normal and quiet. Um, I would describe my childhood as very busy. Me and my sisters would spend 20 hours a week at, at practice and then come home and do homework. Um, we're, we were a pretty normal family until my dad moved out, but we, we definitely adjusted quick. So we're still a normal family. Nice. Um, 
Um, describe the school you attended and was it segregated slash diverse? My high school was not very diverse at all. <laughs> it was in the middle of uh, a very wealthy part of the state that I lived in. Um, my school was predominantly white. There was probably about me and four other black students in the entire school. I think the student population was close to a thousand. And the Hispanic and wow. Latino population was pretty low too. Higher than the African American population, but still super duper low. Dang. Um, as far as like treatment wise, uh, it kind of just depends on the person. I personally didn't experience a lot of issues. I mean, there was a couple here and there, but mostly my older siblings did. Like, there was a day that she committed to college and she, like, decorated her locker because she was happy, this, that, and the other. And then people were, like, tearing it down and writing things on her locker and posting, like, nasty things about her. And she took that pretty hard. And then there was one incident in her. I was a freshman that year, and not to, I don't want to gloat, but I did better than certain people on the team, and they didn't like that, so they started rumors about me to try to get me kicked off the team. Didn't end up working in their favor, but it was an interesting time. My mom was not happy about that. I would not be happy tried either. tried to shield me from it by taking care of it herself, but she did. I was happy she did that, because... Probably would have changed my opinion about a lot of people. Mm -hmm. but, yeah. Um, the high school I attended, it was it was pretty diverse, um, but we did have um, a lot more black people than we did white people. Like I feel like we had almost the same amount of Hispanics as we did white people. Wow. So like, how do you think that affected you growing up? Like. Being in a mostly um, white-dominated high school and being in, like, a mostly um, African-American school. Like, how do you think that affected you? Mm. I mean, from my sister's and siblings' standpoint, it definitely undermined her confidence and self-worth and things like that. Because they were... I mean, trash for little things that shouldn't be happening. Um, me personally, because when I was in that moment, I didn't know what was going on. Because my mom and my dad were dealing with it more so to keep it away from me so it didn't affect me. So I don't know. Um, when I was younger, I was around a lot of um, white people because of the school I went to. And when I, the schools that I went to, when I came to high school, it was like, I don't want to say it was a shock, but it was really different. Um, a lot more going on. Yeah. So was there ever a time where you faced oppression and has there ever been a time in your childhood where you felt different because of your race? Um, I have faced oppression, however, I was 
too young or didn't know it was happening at the time. So if it, whenever it did happen, it was probably my parents noticing it more than me. But I have always, oh, I, sorry, I have to get my words together. I didn't start realizing people were more different than me until about second or third grade. And it took until like fourth, fifth, sixth grade for me to actually realize what the difference was. And I, as far as I can remember, I was never treated severely differently because of my race, but I can definitely say I felt different than other people because I went to all the schools I've been going to for elementary school, middle school, were all predominantly white. And everyone on my gymnastics team, for the most part, was white, with the exception of me, two of my sisters, and two other people. But that was more so when I was in elementary and middle school. Wow. Um, I'm not going to say I've never faced oppression. I just think I've never realized that it was happening in the moment. Um, in my childhood, I never felt different. Cause, because when I was younger, um, my, my schools were predominantly white. And at practice, it was mostly white people. Um, I realized that I was the only black black girl in a lot of situations, but it never bothered me. My next question is, were you ever taught to act differently around white people? Um, growing up, I was never taught to act differently around certain groups of people. I mean, I was always taught to treat people the way you want to be treated, that kind of thing. <laughs> Um, however, depending on certain situations, I was taught to act in a certain way, like, um, getting stopped by the police, for example. My dad always tells me, like, keep your license and registration on the dashboard, roll all your windows down, if you're getting pulled over, pull in a well-lit area, like, before they come to the car, have everything ready and have your hands just on the steering wheel so they can't get the wrong impression, like that kind of thing. But I was never taught to treat people differently because of what they looked like. I was never taught to act differently around white people. Um, I just kind of knew what to say and what not to say around certain people. And like what Trinity said, I was taught how to act around the police, um, what not to do specifically. Um, how old were you when you realized the, discrimi the, the discrimination against your race? Um, specifically, I'm not too sure. Um, I started noticing that certain people didn't look like me once I got to about second grade, more or less. But it wasn't until later in elementary school slash middle school that I realized like racial differences. Not just between like me and white people, but like 
Asian and black and Asian and white, etc. Um, I realized the discrimination against my race, race about seven years ago. I was 11 when Trayvon Martin was fatally shot and killed, and I just couldn't, I couldn't wrap my head around why. I remember my mom talking to me about it and like trying to explain it, but I don't remember how she worded it at all. I do remember that too. That was probably the first incident where it actually solidified in my head that there was a problem. But before that, it was kind of just like, oh, sometimes they're, like people treat African-Americans differently or Asian people differently, that kind of thing. But that definitely solidified things. Did it scare you? Kind of, yeah. Because that, that I mean... How long ago was that? Seven years ago? Yeah. Seven years ago. I was about 13. I was almost going into high school, but like I remember my first couple months of high school, it did scare me because there were days that I had to stay after for practice at gymnastics and take the late bus home. And by the time I got home, it was dark and I had to walk like two blocks to get back to my house because there was only set spots where they would drop off. That was like a five to seven minute walk of just me in the dark by myself. That's scary. Something, something like that could actually happen anywhere. And I lived in a little bit of a sketchy part of town. So wow. That was not fun. Um, I don't want to say it scared me because at the time I didn't understand. I was just really confused. Um. So another question I have for you is how has racism affected you? Um, kind of goes back to another question I answered before. It, I don't always notice it right away. And when I do notice it, it's like way in the future. And then I look back and I'm like, oh, there's something there. And that was not supposed to be there. And that was a little rude. But I kind of, a lot of times I do brush it off, which I shouldn't do. I should deal with it in the moment. But I tend to like to take the easier route and not deal with it right away. But, yeah. Um, racism, racism hasn't affected me from personal experience, but the stories that I hear from the people around me or on the news or on social media, um, I just don't understand why some people can't treat others with respect, like we're not all human beings. Like it blows me. So, like, going back to your answer, Trin, um, would you say, like, because, like, a reason why you don't address the issue right away is because, like, you feel like they wouldn't, like, fully, like, understand or, like, respect your stance or? I'd say, yeah. I mean, sometimes, well, it depends on the situation, but a lot of times it's, I don't know how they're going to react. I don't know if other people are watching and they'll take it the wrong way and react poorly and things like that. Mm -hmm. My last and final question I have for the both of you is how has being African American impacted the way you were treated in your athletic career? Um, through 
throughout my athletic career, I wouldn't say I was ever treated poorly because of my race, as far as I can tell. Um, for a lot of it, I was one of three black people in my gym or on my team. The other two happened to be my older sisters. Um, more recently, I have seen a lot more diversity in athletics, especially coming into college, the second and third year of college specifically. On the team, there's four of us now, four African-American athletes and other uh, ethnicities. For the most part, it's been pretty positive. Um, it hasn't impacted my career um, in a negative way. I just feel like ever since the 2012 Olympics, when Gabby Douglas won all around, when you're seen at like a J.O. meet, you're either, you're, I feel like you're expected to be either really good or not good at all. Thank you, Trinity and Angelica, for sharing your childhood experiences. It is evident that times are changing for the better. There is so much improvement that needs to be done. In the real-life experiences we heard, it is clear that racism is still happening frequently. Like Fern, Trinity and Angelica noticed that they were treated different from a young age. Because times are different today compared to the time period set in One Crazy Summer, experiences differ, but not by much. One Crazy Summer was published in 2010, but takes place in the summer of 1968. Fern and her two sisters filter their actions more when interacting with white people. Trinity and Angelica both agree that they were both raised to be themselves. Although the majority of the time, Trinity and Angelica act the same towards white people, there are certain times where they have to act differently. At a young age, they were taught clear instructions on what to do when being pulled over or when interacting with police officers. They even mentioned being treated differently at stores, the same way Fern, Delphine, and Vanetta were when at a gift shop in San Francisco. In the novel, many white adults displayed the deficit model from the article Risky Business. This model sees children lacking the abilities, skills, and powers adults have. This is especially seen with African American children. In the novel, we see this happen twice at the airport. The first time happens when a white woman offers them money like they're a street show. Although she thinks the girls would be grateful and appreciate it, they know that it's strange. Also at the airport, people begin taking photos of them. These white adults believe that they can exploit Fern, Delphine, and Vanetta's skin color because they believe they won't understand, and these white adults are not aware of how it makes the sisters feel. Another way this deficit model is seen in the novel is with Crazy Calvin. When Crazy Calvin shows support towards the Black Panther Party, Fern is the one who questions him because she caught on to his act. Instead of being concerned, Crazy Calvin laughs at her because he sees Fern as a child and as someone who is not able to figure out his schemes. Another model talked about in Risky Business is the kinship model, which is children are humans too. They are neither exactly the same nor radically different than adults. We should not regard even the tiniest infant as voiceless. Risky Business, page 453. The novel displays this model by having Fern, the youngest and most naive and childlike character, to be the first to recognize Crazy Calvin's plan. 
By digging deeper into the text and comparing it to real-life situations, it is clear that racism affects childhood. Whether big or small, there is still impact. After discussing with Trinity and Angelica, it is evident that racism affected many areas in their life. Their school environment, both of their schools were segregated, Trinity's was mostly white, and Angelica's was mostly black or Hispanic. Racism affected how they should communicate with police officers. It has affected how they feel when in public places. Trinity said some people have stared at her before when at the grocery store, and it has impacted how they feel about their success. Racism impacts childhood, and the sad part is many white American adults are not very likely to understand the fullness of how much of an impact it has on children at such a young age.